0: Um what we're going to do is we're going to read the scripture for Ephesians that we've been in the past several weeks. Um, I hope that you're working to memorize it. We're just doing one little verse a week, and so hopefully you can just kind of keep adding on it each week. And what's so great about this prayer is that you can change the pronouns in it. You can pray for your husband or your wife or your kids, or you can pray for our church. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. we kind of change the pronouns, and we're going to read it together, but I want us to do it prayerfully. I want us to read it as if we are praying. This is our congregational prayer this morning. So church. Let's pray. For this reason, for the sake of your church, we bow our knees before you, Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of your glory, you may grant the members of Four Mile Church to be strengthened with power through your spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith that all of us members of Four Mile Church, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of you, God. Now to you, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. According to the power at work within us, to you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.
1: Thanks, Cammie. So good to see everybody this morning. special welcome to all of you joining us online. So as we've kind of been talking about fundamentals in this church for quite a long time now. We have our football up here because it always reminds us of the fundamentals. We truly are a church focused on that. And Jesus is clearly a fundamental of fundamentals, as Cammie just said. But of course, prayer is also one of those fundamentals that we want to be focused on. And so you can almost think of it like prayer is kind of like that little T that holds that ball up. It's kind of like the thing that holds everything we do in our faith. And it's also how we relate to God. And so it's important that we stay focused on that. And that's why it's great that we're in the middle of this series where Paul is teaching us about prayers. He walks us through this prayer and in particular, three very specific petitions that he makes for the church. Last week, we looked at the first half of the first petition. It's what you see up there in orange. Um, And it's very helpful to kind of read through that to remind ourselves of it, that according to the riches of God's glory, he would grant you to be strengthened with power, through his spirit in your inner being. And of course today we're going to study the second half of this first petition, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that's Paul's first petition for the church. And since we're looking at it across two weeks, it's really helpful if we kind of review what we learned last week. You recall that phrase inner being, it had its roots in the Greek, and it kind of stood for three parts of us first is our reason, how we discern things, whether they're right or they're wrong. Then the second part is our conscience, and that is our desire to then do the right thing. And then ultimately we have a will, that third component, that's the resolve to do what's right. And so those three things kind of come together to help us see how it is that we make these decisions and why it is we need that strength in our inner being. That's what needs to be strengthened in order for each of us individually and as a church to prosper in this kingdom. And so you'll also recall that we identified five reasons why Paul potentially made this prayer. First, so that the saints might build up this resistance against this relentless onslaught of sin. We simply can't defeat sin on our own, just like we can't eradicate all the germs around us. With a can of Lysol but God has designed us such that we can resist sin by his strength second because our outer man is wasting away these old clay pots in a near state of constant decline but as the outer man declines God builds up and he strengthens the inner man the part of us that's eternal third we need strength to grow into mature Christians Progressing along that well-lighted narrow path walking hand in hand with the Holy Spirit as he sanctifies us Making us more Christ-like each day Fourth so our inner beings they actually govern our behaviors all that we do in response to the events that are going on around us So we need to be strengthened with power in our inner being to behave in step with all that Christ has commanded us to do as believers And then fifth, receiving God's glory, being in his presence, it requires strength. Just like we said last week, infants struggle to tolerate adult food until they've been strengthened to chew and digest it. We also need to be strengthened with power in our inner being to be able to receive God's grace and his mercies each day. And while all five of these reasons up here are important for us and they kind of underline this text that we're studying today this fifth one is particularly important because if the son of god in all of his glory is going to dwell in our hearts as paul prays for here then we're absolutely going to be strengthened with power to the holy spirit in our inner being in order for us to be able to receive him now there are a couple of key points we don't want to miss Before we get too deep into our text today So Paul prays here That God the Father Through the Holy Spirit Might strengthen the church For a very specific purpose And that is to For Christ to be able to dwell In our hearts through faith So we see the Father We see the Holy Spirit And we see the Son in this The fullness of the Trinity On display here and we looked at this before, but it's important for us to review it. The father is God The son is God and the Holy Spirit is God But the father is not the son the son is not the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is not the father They are one God, but they have each a unique identity The father is the creator and sustainer of the universe the son is the Savior and Lord of the world and the Holy Spirit is the sanctifier of God's people three separate identities but we have one god and we see in this prayer this very principle conveyed clearly that jesus and the holy spirit cannot be separated they are one god in other words the holy spirit will be found nowhere but in christ and neither can christ be separated from the holy spirit it is as wrong for us to believe that we can obtain the holy spirit without christ as it is to think we can obtain christ without the holy Spirit, or that we could approach the father without both the son and the holy spirit they are three persons in one god we must be so very careful that we don't ignore any aspect of the trinity because it is the fullness of god so paul affirms in this prayer that those who are endowed by the father with the holy spirit are those in whom christ dwells and this is a pretty profound point so i would encourage everyone in their meditations this week to maybe spend a little time chewing on this I think it would be helpful for all of us second we must remember that paul is praying for the church the saints who are faithful In Christ Jesus so as we noted last week this is not a prayer for conversion for those who are dead in their trespasses and sin to be made alive in Christ so it's not moving from point number one up there to point number two no this is a prayer for believers those who are already at number two that they might have strength to move to number three to progress along that path By the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells in their hearts Strengthening them so they can receive and abide with Christ So that he too can dwell in their hearts Now it is clearly a monumental move from number one to number two Because it means that we've been made alive in Christ It means we've been justified Made right before God Forgiven for our sins and saved from eternal destruction Our identity is in him and when we are in Christ the Holy Spirit indwells us That's what it means to be up there at point number two But it's also an epic move from number two to number three Because it means not only are we in Christ But Christ also dwells in us Do you hear that? Do you hear what Paul is praying for? Does it strike you the way it strikes me? That the God of the universe, in all of his glory, is pleased to have his Son dwell in our hearts through faith. Don't miss that. Because this is the mountaintop of all mountaintops. It's the very summit, the highest point of our experience in life. That god might dwell in our hearts through faith not in a temple not in a cloud but in our hearts and you don't reach the summit of the greatest mountain ever without overcoming many challenges and obstacles i don't know how many of you have climbed a mountain before but it's a thing it's a tremendous test of our will it takes strength to keep from turning back your muscles are tired your lungs are burning your back is sore from shouldering the load and then there's the elements the wind the rain the cold darkness rocky terrain snakes bears ticks hostility all around you the hardships are many it takes strength to ascend to the top but oh When you reach that summit when you stand at the peak triumphant there are simply no words and that is why paul is on his knees praying that the holy spirit might strengthen the saints to reach this summit to receive and abide with jesus christ who shed his blood so that he would save his people and so that he might dwell in their hearts faith in relationship with them in communion with them just let that sink in for a moment it's truly remarkable isn't it did you even know that this was possible because this is not a figure of speech here this is truth that Christ desires to dwell in your heart and so the question this morning is does he Are you in a personal relationship with the son of god is he perhaps even your best friend because that's what paul is praying for here that christ may dwell in our hearts so to begin to grasp the implications of this petition let's take a look at this word dwell it's katoikeo in the greek It's varied usage in the original language provides helpful insight into what Paul is praying for here And it also helps us see whether Christ actually does dwell in our hearts or not first The word dwell means to inhabit or to settle in So Paul prays that Christ would inhabit or settle into our hearts If as Paul has taught us being in Christ gives us our identity or our position as saints, then Christ dwelling, inhabiting, or settling in our hearts means Christ has also become a part of us. It's a duality of sorts. We're in Him, and He's in us. And that's a teaching that the Apostle John hammers on throughout many of the letters that he writes. But Christ isn't just a tangential component or additional add-on to us. Because the word dwell also means to pervade and to govern So Christ pervades our hearts He is throughout the entirety of it in its fullness So much so that he governs our hearts Which means he reigns over our reason Over our conscience and over our will That's why when he dwells in our hearts Nothing else can satisfy us but him when He dwells within us, we begin losing interest in the things of this world. Is that us? When He dwells within us, we start to hate our sin as much as He does. Is that us? Because when He dwells within us, He becomes our heart's desire, the very object of our fascinations. And this is not a temporary fascination because the word dwell also means to take up permanent residence. So Christ permanently dwells in our hearts with all the riches of his glory. So it isn't fleeting. He doesn't come and go at Easter time or Christmas or once a month or so, whenever it's convenient for his schedule. No, he sets up permanent residence in our hearts. So is that us? Are we day by day growing closer and closer to Him? Or is our relationship more characterized by being sporadic, perhaps even anemic? In other words, are we progressing down that sanctification path day by day, or are we stuck at number two? Do we have an intimate relationship with Christ? The very Son of God is he the source of our strength the substance of our work and the object of all of our endeavors because when he is just like climbing a mountain and just like we've seen Paul teaching us throughout this letter he writes will be in constant trouble completely fearless but absurdly happy yes that climb will bring us constant trouble It's riddled with suffering and challenges, like I already described. Becoming a Christian does not make life easy. But because the Holy Spirit strengthens us, we'll be fearless in the face of whatever comes our way. And that summit, that peak, Christ dwelling in our hearts, it will make us absurdly happy. A joy like no other. The highest of highs. The very peak of the summit so this is paul's first petition for the church that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit and in your inner being so that christ may dwell in your hearts how through faith so here we are yet again confronted with this term faith the nexus through which we relate and engage with god Recall what Paul already taught us about faith from Ephesians 2. He wrote, for by grace you have been saved through faith. So it's by grace, unmerited favor, that we are saved. It's nothing that we did. It's all God. You recall this graphic we used, how we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And as Paul taught us, that was a result of three reasons because of the course of the world our fascination with the material things of the world around us because of the prince of the power of the air who's the devil and his temptation in our lives and then of course the third the passions of our flesh that original sin that wars within us but god he made us alive in christ how through faith through belief and behavior the mechanism Through which we're saved so to be crystal clear here our faith does not save us christ's blood saves us that red drop you see up there but faith is the mechanism through which we're saved it's that bridge that we keep talking about where faith is comprised of these elements of belief in jesus and then behavior in line with his teaching one step at a time it's not easy Faith is challenging, and that's not why we need strength through power in our inner being. So that with the help of the Holy Spirit, as we walk in faith, we might actually become more Christ-like. So that as Paul prays here, Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. You see, we can believe in, we can rely on, we can even pray to Jesus at number two up there without ever enjoying his presence. And that is why it seems Paul prays for something so much more here. He prays for Christ to dwell in us so that we might be in fellowship with Jesus and experience the riches of his glory. Even now, that's that foretaste of heaven we often sing about. Many of us have learned over the years and even probably committed to memory the Westminster Catechism question number one. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And that's essentially what Paul is praying for here. That Christ would dwell in the hearts of the saints who comprise Christ's church. That's you and me. That our hearts would be consumed with the One who dwells there. That we would glorify Him through our faith, through our belief, and our behavior it's the only way to please God as the writer of Hebrews tells us pleasing God through faith is the mountaintop of our lives it's why we were created and that we'd be in communion with him enjoying him on the mountaintop of our existence if only Christ dwelled in our hearts oh what different lives we'd lead John Piper Puts a compelling lens on this issue by replacing the word and with the word by in that catechism question. So that man's chief end is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. By desiring God. By seeking His face. Piper actually argues rather convincingly that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. And we see it all over Scripture God has zeal for his people that means he's madly in love with them he desires their joy in him so Christ didn't die just so we could make it to number two up there he died so we could also dwell in our hearts so we could progress to number three going deeper and deeper each day desiring glorifying and enjoying him forever Paul has experienced it, and that's why he's praying for the strength we need to experience it too. And just like Paul taught us with regard to our faith, Christ dwelling in our hearts isn't something we can achieve on our own. It only comes from God, and that's why we must bow our knees before the Father in prayer, asking, seeking, and knocking for the strength in our inner being so that Christ. May dwell in our hearts through faith. So let's pray. For this reason, for the sake of your church, we bow our knees before you, Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of your glory, you may grant the members of Four Mile Church to be strengthened with power through your spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. That all of us members of Four Mile Church, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of you, God. Now to you who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, According to the power at work within us, to you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.